Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Horticulture Week podcast, my name is Sally Drury and I am Technical Editor of Horticulture Week. I'm so excited today because I have the privilege of talking with our guest, Susan Nicholas. She is currently Vice President of the Chartered Institute of Horticulture and soon to take over as its President. I knew from an early age that I wanted to go into horticulture. As a toddler, I just loved burying things in the soil. And my first job while still at school was working on a local nursery. But Sue, I know that you were a lecturer at the Welsh College of Horticulture in North Wales, is it? For some 16 or so years. But tell me, how did you begin your journey in horticulture? Where has that journey taken you and what are you doing now? Well, I, I, I'm a career changer. So for the first 15 years of my life, I was in banking and, uh, you know, that was going to be my career, my forever career. Um, but then having two children, um, I realised that I couldn't follow that um, because during those times, um, you know, the, the facilities weren't there to look after children. So I went off to college just to do a simple gardening course. And within two or three weeks of, of being on that course, I realised that this is quite exciting and I want to pursue horticulture as a career. So I was at a, a local technical college. I worked part-time um, to gain my qualifications. So initially City and Gills and then followed by RHS Diploma. So that was my that took me about three years because I had two small children. Um, but then after that, I decided that I would work for myself because I could fit that in with my, my childcare. So I set myself up um, doing garden design, landscaping, um, and, and that, was, that was my first indication of um, you know, the diversity of, of our industry. Um, I also 
was very keen on soil. So my journey through college had taken me into the, you know, into the realms of soil and its its excitement, but also its challenges. So I found myself leaning more towards um, soil problems, if you like, in, in, in jobs. So I then started, I realised very, very quickly that there was lots more to horticulture than just, um, you know, landscaping design. Um, so I then I looked into, um, I, I ran a small scale nursery, um, which I could do fortunately from home, uh, producing fuchsias followed by ornamental grasses long before they were popular. Um, <laughs> and then, then I, I had done a little bit of teaching, but what I actually found is I was able to teach part time while continuing with my consultancy work. Um, so it, it, was, it all worked really well. Um, because I worked for myself, I could take on as little or as much uh, as I wanted. And then uh, as I developed my career and my consultancy, I did some exciting work with, um, with RAP, with trial, compost trials, um, and, and then started to work with soils, uh, sites with difficult soils. So it was, it, it was quite varied. When I got to my mid-50s, I was approached by the Welsh College of Horticulture, who I had worked for on a part-time basis, and they said, would, would I like to come and work for them full-time so that I could bring my experience from the industry into college? So from that time on, um, I worked full-time for the Welsh College and, and found that quite um, exhilarating, that you could help young people develop their careers. So... One of my big passions in life is that young people achieve the best they can. And, you know, if you can help people towards those goals, then I think that's a job well done. In terms of my work with the, with the Institute, I first sat on an Institute committee back in the late 90s, dare I say, and um, working with the local region, working with, um, you know, the the, the industry with the, sorry with the institute as a whole um, I've been able to use my um, experiences to help young people so I sort of my, my introduction into horticulture was very much in a roundabout way um, but I have to say it's given me the most amazing career. It sounds as though it's been really rewarding and uh... Yes, it's, it's good that you had an interest in soils because I, I do feel that is something that is so often overlooked these days. Um, as everybody knows, uh, we've just celebrated International Women's Day. Um, and obviously over the time, there's been a good number of women horticulturalists, names like Gertrude Jekyll, um, Vita Sackville-West, and of course, Beth Chateau come to mind. But so... I'd like to know, do you think that today women are represented enough, that they're heard enough in horticulture? And I'd also love to hear your opinion on the equality for women in horticulture. Well, interestingly enough, uh, in my previous career, uh, which was banking, um, it was very much male dominated. So when I joined banking, um, you know, we're looking at the sort of 70s and um, the expectation was that women came into banking. By then, over 90% of the staff were male, very few few women. And the perception was that you came into banking and you did shorthand in typing. And, and that's, you know, that's where they 
as, as an industry, that's where they saw you, you firmly sit. Um, I, I decided that I didn't want to do that. I wanted to take my Institute of Banking exams, which caused absolute consternation. And, you know, after probably three or four years, a small group of like-minded people um, pushed to get that equality effectively. And we were allowed to then take our, our exams, which in today's world, that probably seems, um, you know, sort of alien, really. But, but that's how it was. In terms of women in horticulture today, if I look back, um, over the past 40 years, barriers have been broken down. So I see, you know, if I, if I go back to the 60s and 70s, that was when things started to change for women. And to me, it wasn't about women's lib, it was about equality. So my, my driving force in, in, in my career is that I want equal rights, I want equality, I want to be recognised for in my profession for who I am and, and what I'm capable of. And I think, um, you know, we're very much um, horticulture. Certainly when I started working in horticulture, which was sort of early 90s, was, was a male-dominated industry. And, um, you know, the, the, there weren't any, well, very few lady lecturers. Um, when I worked out, when I was landscaping, if something was delivered to the site, they'd say to my foreman, OK, boss, where do you want it? Um, you know, so you weren't recognised as the person who was actually in charge of that project. So, but but what, what I have seen, and I think this is the encouraging thing, is that there are many more women now in key positions in horticulture, both as chief executives of heads of organisations, um, who 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 are now taking up that role, but it's it's a it, we're very if you look at the time it's taken to get here, in terms of history it's probably quite short. Um, for people who have been working through it, it's probably feels like a long time, but I, I think we've still got lots to do. But I do feel encouraged that women are now heard, and certainly looking you know at the uh, hundred people who recognize, were recognised on International Women's Day, I think that's encouraging because you saw people from all parts of our industry, whether they be chief executives, leaders of organisations, journalists and so on. So I'm encouraged, but I still think we have a lot of work to do. Yes, yes, oh, I totally agree. Um, and I do remember that uh, back in the late 70s when I was doing... Uh, my degree in horticulture, um, I think out of 23 subjects, every single subject was taught by a man. Anyway, um, I'm going to change the subject now. This must be an exciting year for you, Sue. Um, you very soon become president of the Chartered Institute of Horticulture. For any of our listeners out there who are not members, and I should say they ought to be, um, can you talk to us briefly about the Institute and its aims and objectives, and then tell us what is on your agenda while you hold presidency? Well, the, the Institute... Um one of, the, one of the challenges of the Institute is that we represent members from all disciplines of our industry, so a very broad church. 
so that 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 in itself creates challenges um because they lots of different parts of our industry have different agendas um our aim as as an ind- as a as an institute is to promote the profession of horticulture and the profession professionalism of those working in the industry and that very much to me i you know coming from a business background i think to I, I highlight that we need to be more professional. We need to be perceived to be more professional because I think we, we are actually that. Um, one of the things that we do do, though, is we consult with government and other policy-making bodies. Um, and, and again, that's something that we need to, to develop more. We need to be more heard. Um, we need to work in partnership with other other organizations to raise the profile of, of our, our, our profession and and finally the, the other thing that the institute is very much involved in is the promotion of educational and training opportunities and we need to encourage all all the disciplines across horticulture to recognize that we need to develop and improve the training and education that we offer um, the final thing that the Institute, I think, is, is very passionate about is about the importance of production horticulture in, in, in Britain and, I think, and Ireland, because obviously that's where we have quite a few members as well. But it's about, um, you know, after Brexit, um, you know, there's been a lot of press about um, food and shortages of food. You know, we have in this country some of the best producers in the world and one of our aims is to help promote both production horticulture of food and also our ornamental production so they're they're the if you like that, that that's what the institute is about we're here to serve our members we're here to help develop our members careers so moving forward i think continuing to provide career development for our members is the most important thing that we can do. And we'll, we're doing that through a number of things where we have just developed a, um, a, a professional development programme which will enable people to gain chartership through, through various um, routes. So whether you're working in the industry now, whether you're... Um, a career changer or whether you're straight out of, of, of college and um, we can help you develop to be a chartered horticulturalist we're not only doing that through um, some training we've developed um, we've developed modules um, or qualification and qualifications to help people get to that stage so I think that's you know that's one of the main things that uh, for me, moving forward is something that I'm very passionate about. We have lots of student members and, you know, certainly I don't feel that we have explored enough to, to provide them with um, a better provision for, to help them develop their careers and move forward. So student members are very much on our agenda. And I also see this is where as an industry we can highlight how exciting and attractive horticulture is so for, for me uh, developing that provision is, is an important 
we have already started that. Um, you know, we, we quite recently had a, a, a group, an open meeting for students and lots of ideas came out of that. So I think lots of membership organisations, uh, if we're going to succeed, we need to engage with those young people in, in our, within our membership as we do it as an industry, so to make it more, more attractive, um, getting those people and talking to them and taking their ideas on board is, to me, very important. The other thing that's um, moving forward, I'm very um, mindful that we're a fragmented industry, so we have lots of people in different organisations doing good work. And what I think we need to do is I think we need to work collectively. So partnership working with other organisations to, to promote and develop horticulture is, is, is very much on my agenda. At the moment, we, are, um, we sit on the, uh, the Institute of Agriculture and Horticulture um, board where we're helping develop qualifications and training uh, we're very much involved, involved with the Ornamental Roundtable group, who again, who are helping to promote um, production um, horticulture in ornamentals. So we've got a lot to do, um, but, but certainly we have a, a strong membership, we have a strong council, and I feel confident that the next two years, um, you know, you'll see significant improvements in what we deliver. That certainly sounds like it's going to be an exciting time. Um, and I, th I think with your passion for horticulture and for furthering learning and training, it's, it's going to be a pretty awesome time. Uh, you, you touched on a couple of things there that do actually worry me. Um, one is obviously uh, the shortage of um, young people coming into the industry. I know we've got a lot of, like yourself, career changers, um, but how, how can we get more young people into it when they, they just think, oh, horticulture is just gardening. It's not cool and the pay is rubbish and it's dirty and it's cold. Um, and the other thing that, that worries me is that we need those young people because across the board, horticulturists are getting older. So do you have any ideas how the industry can attract more youngsters and then retain them? And as part of that, perhaps you could give us your opinion on the state of training at the moment. Yeah, well, I mean, certainly, I think the first question I ask and everyone asks is, what is horticulture? And I think therein lies the root of the problem because nobody knows, no one can really define what horticulture is. Um, people will give you examples of, you know, it's producing plants, it's garden design, um, but no one actually... It's not recognised. So it's, it's like if you were going into computer programming, uh, everyone knows what computer programming is, but do we know what horticulture is? Uh, in my experience, the lack of promotion by careers advisors is because that we, we as an industry haven't got that knowledge to them. So if you ask any careers or, or many careers advisors, um, they if you ask someone if someone wants to go into horticulture um you know their perception is gardening as you've said and certainly what we don't look at is the vast um 
variety of, of professions. So, you know, for instance, you can go into research and food production or ornamentals. You could be a geneticist. You can do landscape design. You can do arboriculture. You can do amenity horticulture. You can work in heritage gardens. Where, where in, in our promotion do, do, we, do we see that? And the answer is, I, sadly, we don't. And, and I think it stems back to the fact that we are, you know, such a broad church um, of, of occupations within our industry. So I think that's the first thing. So, um, you know, sometimes I've, I've been in debates about, you know, it's horticulture, do we call it green space? Do we call it production? But, but that, I, I think what one thing the pandemic has done is highlighted, you know, our industry. Um, Brexit has highlighted our industry. Uh, but I think moving forward, we collectively need to 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 have more joined up thinking. And um, we're not perceived as a cool profession by young people. So, because that people haven't young people haven't had exposure to horticulture, then it's not perceived to be uh, you know a trend a trendy uh, profession to to go into. And I think it, what, one thing that excites me is that I've recently been to um, a lecture, well, before lockdown, on uh, robotics in horticulture. So if you want to be a robotics engineer, you don't have to make cars. You can make, um, you, you know, you can make machines that are going to help us in crop production and, and so on. So, again, that sort of promotion and, and that's as an institute, I think we need to do more to promote the diversity of professions. So I think, and, and I think it's by default, the industry has a disjointed approach to promotion of what we do. But I think what, you know, I have seen, which is encouraging in the last five years, are people getting together. And it is those partnerships who are singing off the same hymn sheet, who are, you know, collectively making representation to government about, um, you know, horticulture. So I, th I think that there's um, a... A, a hope there well it's not a hope it's a realization that we we are starting to to join up in terms of the jobs and i've you know i've listened to the shortage of late about labor in uh, uh, crop picking and i think one of our biggest challenges is that quite a lot of those jobs are not in areas of large populations so you know if you think about um you know lincoln and cambridge and those areas that's not where we have large populations of people. So I think we miss out on very much on um, people in, in cities. Um, you know, how do we get those people into our industry? Um, and if the perception is just gardening, um, you know, then that's, that's going to be one of our problems. So I, I think it, it, collectively we have a lot to do in promoting careers in getting young people into our industry and and certainly you know lots of people in 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 in, in our industry are working to, towards that so so i think i feel um confident that we're we, we are taking those steps forward but they are small steps um you asked about uh education and obviously i have a background in education so I feel that um, what I did see, and I left, you know, sort of 10 years ago, was very much that's when 
college provision started to change. So what we actually saw was colleges closing and merging. Um, and that was very much down to the funding. So by a reduction in funding to training, effectively courses went. And, and you know, I looked at the provision we offered at the Welsh College. Um, when I first went there, we taught uh, you know, golf course management, design, surveying, production, amenity, uh, greenkeeping, right across to when I left, which was after probably, as you say, 15 years, we were looking at uh, just level one and two qualifications, not the higher level qualifications. Oh, so I think one of the things that's happened is that those qualifications, the high level qualifications have disappeared. Mm. And, and I think that's something that we need to address. Yes, I think that's something that should be addressed urgently. <laughs> um, yes. And I think, I think it, is, it is being, and this is where I feel comfortable that we are moving in the right direction. What, what we've actually seen was that with the demise of, of qualifications in colleges and the reduction in high-level qualifications, and, and you know that's down to universities not offering what they did, um, what we have seen is the development of modern apprenticeships. And to me, this is where the future of our industry lies. So we're now looking at developing modern apprenticeships to level six and seven. So this is work-based learning effectively. It's people in the industry being able to develop. Um, so I'm quite excited about the development and I think of modern apprentices. I can think back, you know, in the 80s when there was a demise of apprenticeships then um, and how that affected the industry. But these, are, these modern apprenticeships are very different. Uh, you know, you can, you can um, study to a higher level, which makes you really more uh, fit for sort of higher level careers within our industry. Um, we've got a lot of trailblazer groups now appearing, which is great. So that's about promoting the, uh, you know, the qualifications. I think one of the biggest things that I see that's come out of the last sort of two years is the um, TIA, which is the Institute of Agriculture and Horticulture, are, are collectively uh, trying to get a well, they're not trying; they are developing a competency framework of qualifications that needs to encompass the industry as a whole. So, um, at the moment, that's very much in England only. Um, it's very much food-based, but I think that needs to be mirrored in the ornamental side. The inclusiveness at the moment, the ornamental roundtable work alongside them but I think eventually having that one voice for um, for horticulture and the development of careers that they're developing a careers platform is really good and um, that doesn't take away though from other organizations uh, who are working alongside that so for instance the Chartered Institute has developed routes to chartership. We're providing training and qualifications, and that's for our members to progress. And other other uh, institutes are doing that as well. So I think the future's rosy. I think we're we're all charged with making sure that we collectively do it do it together. So making sure that we promote horticulture, that people know what horticulture is, making sure that we provide 
the roots both in people in work or young people or career changes, making sure that they have the ability to gain the qualifications that will take them into the industry. That, that's terrific, Sue. Yes. Um, and following on from that, I know that you've been heavily involved in the Chartered Institute of Horticulture's Young Horticulturalist of the Year competition uh, for many years now. Um, speak to us about this competition and its importance and how does it benefit both the young people concerned and also the industry? Well, my, my one of my first involvements with the Young Horticulturist of the Year competition, dare I say, was 20 years ago. Um, and that, that, at that time, it was a competition which was a very, um, I should dare I say, old-fashioned. You know, we sent slides round and people, you know, entered the competition in colleges. And it, it, it was just, it was a good idea and it had worked for a few years, but it wasn't certainly fit for purpose. So um, myself and, and supported very much by Graham Porter, who was my vice chair, um, we took on um, that competition to develop it. So the first thing we did is we we got it onto CD-ROM. Um, you know, we used to print all these CD-ROMs and send them out. But over 20 years, we've developed it into a, a state-of-the-art competition, um, which is open to all young people in our industry. So uh, colleges, botanical gardens, people who are in nurseries or on, on an estate in, in, the, in the depths of Scotland, um, they can all enter the competition. And they did that either via a college or via Skype. So we made that provision. What, what's actually happened recently is because of the pandemic, we have had to completely rethink what we're doing with the competition. So we're just in the process of actually putting the first round, which used to be College Heats, on, online. And that, again, is, you know, with the technical challenges, um, is, is, is quite interesting. I have to say my IT skills have gone up a thousandfold in the last month. Um, so uh, we, we couldn't have done this. We, we couldn't have run this competition. Uh, the, there's an agreement between the Percy Thrower Bursary and the Shropshire Horticultural Society who provide the a massive amount of, of, of investment and uh, sponsorship for the competition to provide the prizes. So, again, working with the Institute, that's how we're able to do it. What it's done for young people, though, it's, it's showcased young people in our industry. So, we've got 2,000 people entering it. We end up with eight finalists, grand finalists, and the winner receives a travel bursary of two, two and a half thousand pounds. Uh, and that gives them opportunities that they wouldn't have had before. But the additional opportunities are um, things like um, they, they meet other people in the industry. So they're being exposed to some of the, um, you know, the, the top people in our profession. Um, they, they are networking. So, you know, you could be um, on... Uh, you know, a, a private estate somewhere, you come into the competition, we take you to the final and you're already meeting lots of people that you wouldn't meet on your estate. So, so I think for me, the networking is good. I think it gives people, um, makes people more um, mindful of what they can do. So by providing those opportunities, it gives them a platform to launch their career. But I think more importantly as well, it gives them confidence. So 
I look at social media and sometimes I, I applaud social media for the good bits. I despair at the bad bits. And, you know, we, we, we all see that every day in the news. But what it does is it gives people the opportunity to say, this is who I am. This is where I've got to. And, you know, I can name, you know, we're in touch with the last 20 years of winners and they're in some very eminent jobs. They are in different parts of the world. But if you speak to some of them, they would say it was the competition that gave me the courage to to achieve my goals. In other words, it was my platform to develop my career. So um, I think it's an important competition. I think um, we've we've developed it, we've changed with the times and certainly moving forward, um, you know, we'll, we'll be doing the, the online uh, round one in, in two months time. We shall see how that goes. But, you know, I'm confident that it's it's important to the Institute and it's important to young people in our industry. That's terrific. Thanks, Sue. Um, so we've we've covered some diverse topics today. We've considered women in horticulture and uh, we've looked at the work of the Chartered Institute of Horticulture, some ideas for attracting the next generation into the industry and providing those very necessary skills and knowledge. So thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Horticulture is going to be so important in the future. Green skills, the environment, sport and leisure, and of course, food security. Things, no doubt, will be done differently. So it's important that everybody keeps up to date with the latest trends and information. And of course, you can do that by subscribing to Horticulture Week. I hope you have enjoyed this episode of the podcast. And don't forget... You can subscribe to the Horticulture Week podcast via iTunes, Google Podcasts, or your favoured podcast platform. Thank you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.